tonight's message, if you will bear with me for the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes, I think tonight's message could be the the final piece of the puzzle, the, the cherry on top, the thing that will actually make this whole series that we've done for 16 weeks, crazy enough, this whole series that we've done uh, meaningful and, me- and mean something for us, okay? And so we've talked about God, we've talked about Jesus as God, we've talked about Jesus being human, we've talked about what Jesus did, the ministry, the miracles, the teachings, all those sorts of things, and this week we're going to talk about, and we talked about prayer and all those other things, but this week we're going to talk about, and this is tough, but we're, but it's, it's necessary, it's participating in the suffering with Jesus. And you're like, Brett, uh, I thought like this whole Jesus thing was supposed to be cool. I thought being Christian was supposed to be like a good thing. Why are you talking about suffering? And bear with me, by the the end of this message, I'll let you know why you will long for suffering instead of what the world offers, okay? Amen? So, let's read God's word. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. If you have a Bible, open up to it. If you got your phone, pull it up there. I just ask that after I'm done reading, you put the phone down, because I think if, if you hear what I have to say, if you hear what God put on my heart, it could be life-changing for you. So Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 25, 24 and 25. If you don't have a Bible, we have plenty in back. We'd love to give you one, so just kind of do this little hand raise, and someone will see you and get you a Bible, but if you're with me, that's cool. Everybody good? Say, yeah, if you're there. All right. I'm not even there. Okay, here we go i got to turn the page. Then Jesus told his disciples. Who did he tell? Okay. And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Pause. Uh, So what does Jesus mean by taking up your cross and following him? So Jesus... um, as we know, Jesus died on the cross, carried his own cross to his own death sentence after being beaten and, and battered and bruised and all this kind of stuff. And we think of this interaction with Jesus in the cross as the worst possible thing that could ever happen, and it was. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins, took, took the pain away from us. But Jesus, it's, it's, it's weird because Jesus is doing that. Jesus is taking our place on the cross, but Jesus is also saying, now you have your own cross. And this is the difference. Jesus took the cross away from us. That wasn't our choice. And he gives us the cross with the choice. Does that make sense? So before, it wasn't our choice. We were destined for the cross. We were destined for death. We were destined for hell. And Jesus took it so that he could give us a choice. And ironically enough, with that choice, he then wants us to choose the cross. He wants us to choose sacrifice. He wants us to choose no greater love than this, but that that lays his life down for a friend. Does that make sense? You're like, dude, what? Why are we taking up a cross? Okay, but we'll, we'll keep going, okay? Verse 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So whoever tries to live a good life, whoever saves his own life, whoever does it in their own strength won't make it. But whoever gives up everything for me We'll find life. That's what he's saying right here. 
So, in this scripture, Jesus is calling us to suffering. A common theme in the New Testament scripture. Rejoice in suffering, rejoice in hard times, all this kind of stuff. And we're like, what is, what is all this about? Why am I supposed to rejoice when life sucks? Anybody ever thought that? Raise your hand. I, I, I'm there. <laughs> I've been there. I've been like, why do I want to do this? Why would I voluntarily go through tough times? But what really is suffering? Surely Jesus isn't talking about the suffering I'm thinking about of like pain and torture and all this kind of stuff. But maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. The definition of suffering from Google that I looked up, as I always do, just so we're on the same page, suffering is the state of undergoing pain, distress, distress, there we go, or hardship. The state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. Have any of you experienced suffering? I know I have at times. And it can be small, it could be big, it could be, it could be months, years, or by now it seems maybe your whole lifetime depression has been a thing. Maybe anxiety swells up at times and you just don't know the, what you don't know and what you don't know freaks you out. And so you try to know, but you don't know. <laughs> that's what anxiety, that's, that, that's anxiety in a, in a that, there you go. I don't know what I don't know and I'm scared of what I don't know, therefore I try to know and I don't know. That's what anxiety is. I've experienced some suffering at times, physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering. I've broken a lot of bones. Had a blood clot one time. That was scary. I broke down in the hospital room because I thought, like, how close or how precious life is and we don't even know. I was like a 23-year-old dude. The doctor said, if you didn't catch this, you probably would have died. So a blood clot the size of a dime in my leg. He said, if it gets dislodged, just stop your heart or go in your brain and lights go out. So I was fine, but I'm sitting there and Danielle can... Attest to this, I just sat in the hospital, in like the, the, way, the lobby of the hospital, and just wept. And I was just like, you know how, you know how precious life is. We, we just don't know. I've seen my dad go through cancer. I've lost loved ones, lost friends. As many of us have seen these things and felt these things and gone through these things. So you might be asking, as I do, why would Jesus tell us to go through suffering? I thought this was supposed to be the good life. Why would Jesus ask us to take up a cross when he died to take it away? Why would I follow Jesus if it just means that I'm going to suffer? Like I said, I thought this was supposed to be the good life, and here's the thing, it is. It's a rewarding and fulfilling life that ends an eternal life. So I guess it actually never ends. <laughs> but sometimes there's a, there's a need for suffering to attain something good. Sometimes there's a need to suffer to get to something good. Let me give you an example. Health and fitness. Some of you are like in the room, you're like, yeah, dude, health and fitness, rock and roll. Some of you in the room... Uh, want to shoot me in the face because I talked about health and fitness and you're like, please, God, don't talk about another diet or another whatever. But here's the thing about health and fitness. Health and fitness, if you're not healthy or fit, are miserable. If you're not healthy or fit, the thought of health and fitness sounds like actual hell. <laughs> it's painful. It's not fun. 
Nobody wants to go on a long run. Nobody wants to lift a bunch of weights. Nobody wants to go on that diet and stop eating Taco Bell. Nobody wants to lay off the soda. Nobody wants to do all these things. Nobody wants to do those things until they've done those things. So you see people who start this health and fitness journey, and you see people who go about halfway and then stop and they come back here. But almost everybody that I've met that have been on the other side don't come back. There's a lesson in there, and we'll get to it. (laughs) But that journey of health and fitness is not one many of us are willing to take. Can I get an amen? All right, because there's too much suffering. There's too much discomfort. And you know the saying, life's short, so i got to live it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get fried chicken and all the good stuff. And, uh, yeah, whatever. So why must we suffer like Jesus talks about in Matthew 16? Why must the world hate us like like the Bible says in John 15, I thought Jesus died on the cross so we could avoid the cross, not take up our own. Amen? But we see over and over again in the Bible in stories like Job, stories like Joseph, and all the other stories in the Bible, especially the one of Jesus, that we are called to participate in the suffering with Jesus, not be rid of that suffering. Why? Now here's the main point. Because our flesh is wicked. Our flesh is fallen. You're like, Brett, what do you mean? My skin is like achy or what, bro? I'm like, no. Except for me today, I like got out of the shower, used the same shampoo and the same soap I always have, but my forehead was like, like broke out in hives. It freaked me out. I was like, uh, I'm, am I dying? Uh, so then it made it worse because I started sweating profusely. And I'm like not telling Danielle, like, oh, God, you know. But it's okay, you know. But my flesh in that moment was wicked and so wicked good okay so um (laughs) what do I mean by flesh I mean flesh would roughly translate to today's version of your heart so the bible talks about flesh if we were talking about it today in some modern seminar ted talk we talk about your heart so it, it inherently your heart is wicked you're like, bro, no, I'm for sure a good person. We, we all want to be, but if we did everything that our heart told us, we'd end up in, in uh, ashes and in shambles. And in, you know what I mean? So the suffering we face, though, is not, not necessarily a spiritual one, but a physical and emotional one. When we choose to suffer with Jesus, we are choosing to starve our flesh of its desires, to starve our heart of its deep desires, in the pursuit of being obedient to God because we trust that he knows better what to do than we do. Amen? So, so the suffering that Jesus is talking about is not this like, oh, you know, everyone's out to get me. I'm it's, it, it's actually a choice. I walk into this knowing that th- th- this is going to be tough because of a couple of things. One, the world's going to hate me. The Bible talks about that. Being a Christian is inherently countercultural. So the world will hate me. Oh, let me be clear on that too. If you do it right, so right, right now in the United States we have a two-party system. If you do the whole countercultural thing right, the right and the left will hate you, not just one, okay? If it's just one, you're not doing it right. Uh, but <laughs> there you go, drop the mic. Okay, so but here's the thing. We choose it because the, the other part of the suffering is, is that we're, we're deliberately starving our heart of its 
wicked desires. And you're like, Brett, I'm not wicked. Yeah, right. Okay, you've been by yourself. You've been in the moment where no one's looking around, no one's doing anything. And there's many stories. There's, there's, a, there's, a, a, piece, there's, a, there's a chocolate bar when you're a kid, like right there. No one's looking. It's right at the exit. Might as well. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I didn't hurt anybody. The whole I didn't hurt anybody thing only works if we all have the same definition of hurt. You know what I mean? Anyways, that's another message for another time. <laughs> but this is shown, this is shown by the practice of fasting. Anybody ever heard of fasting? I fasted today so that I could effectively preach about this. <laughs> fasting is at its root is starving, literally starving yourself. Not not like oh, I'm starving, but like you're not eating, choosing not to eat. Um, so that you put your body in a place of kind of crisis and you have to decide where your strength and your hope and all that kind of stuff comes from. So fasting, which I did today to help me get into the mud of this message, is purposely starving our bodies to rewire them to rely on God and not to crave the unhealthy things like Hot Pockets. And believe me, I love Hot Pockets. I haven't had a Hot Pocket in years and I, and that's that's suffering. That's persecution. You know what I mean? Like, Danielle, can we get some hot pockets up in that? No, I'm just kidding. I do the grocery shopping now, so it's my own fault. It's my own fault. So, you might be asking, but why would I do that, Brett? Why would I purposely go against my body's wishes? Why would I starve myself? Why would I, you know what I mean? Why would I not follow my heart? Anybody ever heard that? Someone tells you, hey, you know what? Just follow your heart. Just do you. Just, just go with your gut. Just be true to yourself. Just, y'all heard, y'all heard that? And in the moment, you're like, that's great advice. That is so good. Because if I follow my heart, then I'll be happy. And life's entire goal is to be happy. No, it's not. Because 90% of the time in your pursuit of your happiness, it's at the expense of somebody else's happiness. And if you never give of yourself, you won't actually be happy or filled with joy. Joy is more important than happiness, by the way. You might be saying, doesn't everybody tell me to do what makes me feel good? And that's the point. Not everything that feels good is good. We're called to be set apart, the Bible says. That's, that's, what, that's what holiness means. It's to just be set apart, to be different, to be outside of what everybody else is doing. But being set apart takes some unlearning and untraining our minds and our bodies to do what the world wants us to do. I finished this book today called uh, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And if you, if you like to read, if you're a, a reader and you like to read books, Live No Lies is number one on my list that you should read. Especially in today's day and age. So good. And if you know me, I read a lot of books. So for a book to be number one, it's really good. But he says in the book that the church is, was, and always will be called to be countercultural. To be a thing called a remnant, which is like a, a small group of people who will be loyal to God when others are not. I thought about renaming Vince Remnant, you know what I mean? I just, it's cool. <laughs> just kidding. If my dad's ever like, hey, Brett, should we rename the church? I'll be like, let's name it Remnant, you know? That'd be sick. But anyways, you know, I don't know. Not that we would. South Coast Christian is cool too. But um, if we ever rename the youth group, bet. If I ever get in like, you know how, you know how people, you know, have you ever heard of a midlife crisis? I think there's like a mid, 
ministry crisis for youth pastors where like they just have to rename the youth ministry all of a sudden. Uh, I don't think that's coming in down my down my alley, but if I had to, it'd be Remnant. Okay, so that I'm just saying, I'm just letting you know, okay? But Echo's cool. I like it. The merch is dope. Check us out, southcoastchristian.com, the Echo page, merch, hit it. All right, anyways, shameless plug. Oh, I got to get that shirt out from last week. Anyways, guys, I'm rabbit trailing. Stop it. All right. So if I'm called to be countercultural, it means that I have opinions, thoughts, and perspective in the world, sure. But my call is to adhere to the will of God, not to be colonized and infiltrated by culture. Like I said before, right or left. So if, I, if I'm to be countercultural, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that everything I do is based on one thing, and that's the will of God. How do I find the will of God? I read my Bible, and I go to church, and I get around people who are seeking the same thing, which is the will of God. And there's times in our life where we notice that we've been infiltrated, we've been colonized, we've been whatever the words you want to use, by culture. And then you'll hear, yourself stuff, you'll hear yourself saying stuff like this. Like, I'll preach a message, I'll read a scripture, and you'll think in your head, but Brett, I mean, that doesn't seem like it's actually good. That doesn't seem like that's actually what we should do. When you question scripture because of what culture tells you, you've been compromised. Red button. You know what I mean? But, so, here's the choice that God gives us. Here's the choice that Jesus gives us. It's two choices. You either deny Jesus and follow yourself, which culture tells you to do. Deny Jesus, deny, and here's, here's the scary part, actually. And, and not to say that there aren't, there aren't pastors of all over the world who are kind of messed up and don't do things right. I think there, but there, I think there's many more pastors that are good than, are, than that are bad. Many more churches that are good than that are bad. But here's the thing that's dangerous about today. People are, culture is telling us actually that the church and that Jesus is the moral low ground. If you believe this, if you believe what Jesus believes, if you believe what God believes, if you believe what your church told you, if you believe what your, your, your white male pastor told you, then you have the moral low ground now. So you either deny Jesus and follow yourself, like everybody wants you to, or you die to yourself and follow Jesus. One's going to go really well, going to go over really well with culture, and one's not. Amen? So you might be thinking, okay, Brett, I'm kind of sick of the bad news, dog. Like, <laughs> when's this going to get good? Where's the good news in this? You're talking about suffering and being hated by all my friends, and this doesn't sound fun. Uh, I kind of don't want to do it. Why would I be a Christian if all I do is suffer, right? Here's the reason. Because it will cost you to follow Jesus. It will. It will cost you. It will cost you a lot more if you, not, if you don't. It costs you a lot to follow Jesus. It will cost you a lot more not to. The world's pleasures lead to death. The moments of suffering with Christ lead to eternal life. That starts here on earth. That's the, thing I, that's the other thing I want to say. You'll hear people talk a lot about Especially those like street corner preachers like, repent of your sins now so you don't go to hell. You want to go to heaven, right? But the Christian life is not about making it to heaven. We, we do want to get to heaven. That, obviously, I don't want to go to hell. But the, the, the purpose of following Jesus is to bring heaven here. 
The purpose of following Jesus is not to get to heaven, but to be in heaven here on earth, right? It's so that I don't have to live in this fallen, suffering world, but I can live in tune with heaven while I live here on earth. So heaven on earth doesn't start after you die. Heaven on earth starts when you say yes. Paul says it beautifully like this in his letter to the church at Philippi. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Basically what he's saying is if I'm going to be living, I'm doing it for Jesus. Suffering or not, persecution or not, I don't care. If I live, I want to live for Jesus because that's living. Everything else is not really living. And he says to die is gain. Why is to die is gain? Because he doesn't believe as death as an ending as, as, as culture and the world believes it to be. Death is just a promotion to the next step. He's like, if I'm living, I'm living for Jesus. If I'm dying, sick. <laughs> I'll be in heaven, you know what I mean? So the suffering is not a choice that is opposite of pleasure and joy. That's what we would think. What's the opposite of suffering? Joy, happiness, pleasure, dope stuff, cool things. Suffering is the opposite of that? No, it's not. The choice to suffer with Jesus is not the opposite of having a good life. You suffer down both paths. No one has ever lived a life without suffering. You ever, you ever heard of a celebrity that has all the money in the world, all, everything they could ever want, they could, and they're just in there in this interview talking about how it's, I'm so empty on the inside. I just don't. We've seen them all over the place, right? People who have it all and have nothing. You suffer down both paths. You just suffer more and longer with the world. It's like the original illustration of working out. We're going to get back to this, and some of y'all are going to feel convicted in the room like I did when I was writing it, so it's okay. We'll go to in and out next week again, okay? Actually, no, we won't. Friendsgiving. We'll pig out, okay? But hold on. Listen. Let's say living a healthy lifestyle is like living a life with Jesus, and let's say not living a healthy lifestyle is living with the world. We're going to use those as the analogies. Is that cool? We good? Okay. Indulging our flesh in whatever it wants is the world. Makes sense. So I love pancakes, and I love cheeseburgers and hot dogs and pizza, and I love processed food. I love American cheese more than the real cheeses. I like ice cream and Hot Pockets and Gushers and milkshakes, and when the ice cream machine's working at McDonald's, I like the McFlurries, and I like breakfast sandwiches and bacon's my favorite food group, and did I say I like cheese because I like cheese? And fried chicken and ranch. And Texas toast. And biscuits with honey butter. And and ribs and steak and sweet tea. You get the point. I love those things. And let me tell you a couple things I hate. I hate running. I hate stairs. I hate breathing hard. I hate sweating. I hate lifting weights. I hate getting off the couch. I just do. I, w- I love Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate not watching The Voice with my wife. You know, I, I love Netflix. 
But if I live a life filled with the moments of false pleasure, I'll die. And before dying, I'll probably be sick if my meal consisted of fast food every meal, every day, soda every day. I'll die early, and before I die early, I'll be sicker than the people who are my age and live a healthy life. And I'll shave off precious years with my family because I chose, this is where it gets heavy, selfishly to indulge my flesh. I was talking to Danielle. We decided to have kids, like, you know, in today's age, relatively early. And we've been talking about, you know, some friends of ours. And there's nothing really wrong with this, but they're like, oh, I don't want to have kids early. I want to travel and live life or whatever. And I said to one of my friends, I said, you know, I've never met anyone who's really old and said to me, man, I wish I would have just had a few more years to travel. I met people who are really old that said, man, I wish I had a few more years with my kids. So we think about that. We had kids early so I can have a few more years with Vince and all our other kids that we're going to have. But also, at some point, i got to make a choice to not live an unhealthy lifestyle so that I don't selfishly take years away from Vince with his dad. Just because... I'd do something extreme for a crunch wrap supreme, you know what I mean? <laughs> and now the healthy lifestyle is like suffering with Jesus. If I eat real non-processed food and I live a healthy lifestyle, the pain only lasts until the promise. The moments of of suffering turn into an abundant life filled with joy and longevity. Everybody that I've ever met that got past the unhealthiness and got to healthy loves their life. They feel good. They're active. Food is like not an addiction anymore. Like they can run around with their kids until they're in, into their 60s. It's a, good, it's a good life to have. It's a good place to be. I'm not there right now, just being honest. I went to jujitsu last night. I take like a month off and I started rolling with, with with, uh, with the, the people there rolling around doing our thing, and I was gassed. I was like, dude, I'm so out of shape. This is bad. This is terrible. And, uh, but I locked the buggy choke on someone, so it was sick. But anyways, so here's the, here's the moral of the story, and then I'm done. <laughs> Some of you are like, but Brett, the life with cheeseburgers and pizza and all that kind of stuff so, sounds a lot better. It sounds a lot better for you, but like I said, it doesn't sound a lot better for my son Vince. It doesn't sound a lot better for my wife. It doesn't sound a lot better. You know what I mean? And it's the same way with Jesus. It's the same way with the world. Sometimes the world seems to be better, especially at your age when temptations are going crazy, hormones are going crazy. Brett, you told me to do what? I know. What if I just, you know, like it's fine. Jesus forgives. Grace, you know what I mean? Covers all. No. Because a life, just like a life filled with unhealthy food will, will, kill you early, a life filled with sin will lead to death. And just like a life that pursues a healthy lifestyle will extend your years with your loved ones, a life filled with Jesus, even if there's momentary suffering, will, will lead to a life of abundance and a life of joy and a life of passion and a life that, that is lived to the fullest. Amen? The moments of pleasure with the world will lead to a life filled with suffering. Suffering with him will lead to a life more abundant. Amen? Let's pray. Stand up. We're done. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this word. God, we thank you that the suffering that you talk about is all to get to the place of abundance.
to get to the place of joy, to get to the place of hope, to get to the place where you are. So Jesus, help in our hearts the most important thing to be to get close to you, to love you, to cherish you, God. God, we pray that you would help us to not be, help our souls and our minds to not be infiltrated by the world, but God, for us to infiltrate the world, for us to make a difference, for us to to be countercultural, for us to change the world one person at a time. So we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.